Good morning, everyone. Take my mask off. Listen, when, uh, when this thing first began, it was just a handful of people in, you know, in one city that were affected. And within days, it had spread, as we know, to a few thousand others. And then as those people traveled further afield, hotspots began to appear in various cities. And in spite of attempts to stop the spread, the latest figures estimate that some two and a half billion people are affected, almost a third of the world's population. And, and numbers are still rising. I'm talking, of course, about the good news of God's kingdom. Its spread has been phenomenal by any standards. And it's important to remind ourselves of that because let's be honest, most of the time it doesn't feel like we are part of the biggest movement in the history of the world. How do we account for it? Let's turn to someone who was there right at the start. And he gives us a first-hand account of something that happened on that very first evening that after Jesus rose from the dead. So we're going to be turning to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Uh, sorry, chapter 20, verse 19. Sorry, I forgot I was going to have to read this. <laughs> on, that, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Let me just, uh, let me just draw your attention in particular to these words of Jesus. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's our focus this morning. We're continuing our series looking at what it means to be the body of Christ, the church. And from the passage that we just read, we get our title for this morning, Everyone is Sent. So the church, the body of Christ, operates in two distinct settings. I've tried to illustrate them with this slide. There is the church gathered on the one side. That's something that we are all missing a great deal at the present time, isn't it? I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm longing for the day when we're able to gather and worship God together at the top of our voices with unveiled faces. But there is also what I like to call the church at large, which is the church Monday through Saturday. We are still the body of Christ, even though we are dispersed, each of us representing Jesus and his kingdom in our own world, whatever that may look like. And that's the bit that we're focusing on this morning. I remember when as a newish Christian, I first heard this thing about Jesus sending us. I was a bit nervous about that. I thought, well, what if he sends me somewhere I don't want to go? Like Slough, 
<laughs> or cow and beef. But being sent isn't so much about where we are as what we think we're there for, what our purpose is in being where we are. The fact is that everyone, whether they recognize it or not, has a purpose in life. We all have something that is the main thing in our lives, what's, what's determining our priorities and choices. And being sent means embracing God's purpose for your life, representing Jesus and his kingdom in your world, wherever, wherever that may be, whatever that looks like. And this sending of Jesus wasn't just a past act, but a continuous ongoing mission, a mission that you and I are now part of with him. And it's, this isn't just those who become missionaries, important though that is, it's all hands on deck. It's, it's a case of everyone is sent. Now that Jesus has redeemed the world to himself through his death and resurrection, our mission is to spread the good news of that redemption throughout the world. So with that in mind, let's just go back to this passage that we've, we've just read. As I said, it's the, it's the evening of the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. The disciples are in a state of fear, a turmoil. Their lives have been turned upside down. All their plans and hopes for the future have been completely dashed. Maybe you can identify that to some extent, uh, identify with that this morning. And when Jesus comes to them, this is the interesting thing, he doesn't tell them off for their lack of faith, for locking themselves away. In fact, it seems to me there's almost like a kind of playfulness about the way that he shows up. Remember, the doors are locked. At first, they wonder if they're seeing a ghost. And, uh, and, but Jesus is like, well, hey, check it out, guys. My hands, my side. In, in Luke's account, he says, uh, anything to eat around here? And as the, as the truth dawns on them, it's their fear and their confusion turns to joy. They are overjoyed. Jesus is alive, but it's a different kind of alive. He's no longer subject to the same limitations that we are. Nothing gets in his way, not even locked doors. There's a song about that, isn't there? And he, Jesus can go where no doctor can go. Jesus can go where no counselor can go. He can reach you wherever he chooses to, wherever you are. And when he does, that is a game changer. So Jesus comes to them and he speaks to them of three things. And these three things are his gifts to them and his gifts to you. They are the gift of peace, the gift of his presence, and the gift of power. And together, these three gifts equip us for our purpose, which is being sent into the world as his representatives. So first of all, the gift of peace. The peace that Jesus gives doesn't mean an absence of problems. It doesn't mean that life is always calm or chilled out. It means that even in the midst of trials and uncertainty, we have an anchor that keeps the soul 
steadfast and sure while the billows roll. As Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, the shalom of God. The, the word that we have that's closest to that is maybe well-being, mental well-being, emotional well-being, physical well-being, spiritual well-being. It is well with my soul. Do you know that kind of peace? You see, before you can experience the peace of God, you need to experience peace with God. The assurance that God is for you and not against you. The assurance, the confidence that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And only Jesus can give us that peace. In our reading, when he says, peace be with you, he shows them his hands and his side. Because, because of they still bear, he's showing them the wounds that he received on the cross. And because of what he did on the cross, our sins are forgiven and we have peace with God. So the way that we receive that peace is by receiving Jesus. There is no peace with God unless we receive Jesus, putting our trust in him, who he is, what he has done. So first of all, Jesus gives us his peace. Then there's the gift of his presence. This account tells us that Jesus breathes on his disciples, just and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So just as God breathed life into Adam in the beginning, so Jesus now breathes his life into us in an act of new creation. Through the Holy Spirit, we experience the very presence of God, his life breathed into us. See, before that, we are spiritually dead, not just sick, but dead, dead to God. Our hearts and minds are like turned entirely away from him. And then as, as an act of grace, totally undeserved by us, God breathes his life into us and we become alive. He makes us alive with Christ. This is what we mean by being born again. It's not just a way of describing one particular type of Christian. Oh, you know, he's one of them born again. Christians. This, this is true of every believer. In fact, it's what makes you a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's born again. The old is gone. The new has come. Now, how can you know if this is true of you? Maybe this is something that you tend to worry about. You get anxious about. You know, the other day I was filling in one of these online forms where you're presented with one of these t tests to make sure that you're a human being and not a robot. You know, there's all these boxes and you've got to click on the boxes where there's maybe a set of traffic lights or fire hydrants or whatever the case may be. Now, maybe I should have gone to Specsavers, but I failed the test. <laughs> I couldn't convince a computer that I'm not a robot. How bad is that? However, it did not throw me into some kind of existential crisis. I didn't start panicking. Oh, 
am I really a human being? What have I just been fooling myself all these years? Listen, being a Christian is not about ticking the right boxes. It's about living by faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If Jesus had not breathed his spirit into you, then your eyes would never have been opened to see who he is and to put your trust in him. And you probably wouldn't be worrying about it. So take that as an encouragement. He gives you his peace. He gives you his presence. And thirdly, he gives you his power. This action of Jesus in breathing on them anticipates what would happen in just a few weeks' time at the festival of Pentecost, when the now ascended and glorified Jesus pours out his spirit on his church. This was, if you like, the super spreading event that set the whole thing in motion. Jesus told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. He doesn't send us in our own strength, but he sends us in the power of the Spirit. Power, power to love Jesus, power to love one another, power to turn from our selfish ways, power to overcome the habits that trip us up, power to serve others in his grace and love. Have you received his gift of power? Or maybe a better question for some of us is, how are we sustaining and growing in the power of the Spirit? Remember the program that Caleb led us through, just, was it, how long ago, Caleb, a year? Sustainable power? Seems a long time ago. And it was about engaging with sustainable power, was about engaging with the power of the Spirit in our day-to-day lives. And it felt like for a while, our expectations were, were lifted, we were beginning to hear testimonies of healing and things that are going on. But, but it's ever so easy, isn't it, with all this stuff that, that our lives have got going on, all the challenges of everyday life, to, to lose sight of that and to forget that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, that's like an active word. It's, it means lay hold of, take hold of. And, and, time and time and again, we come across it in the book of Acts, describing that initial experience of the Spirit, what we sometimes call being baptized in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit. And, and this, of course, is for everyone who believes in Christ. But here's the thing. This is not just a, a one-time gift. We need to keep on receiving, keep on being filled. The Spirit has an unlimited supply of power, but that power only flows to where there is a demand placed on him. So three gifts that Jesus gives, the gift of peace, the gift of his presence, the gift of power. And these three gifts equip us for a purpose. As the Father has sent me I am sending you. In in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul puts it this way. 
He, that's God, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation is restoring a relationship that had been where, where alienation, where people had separated. And that's what's happened between us and God. That's the whole problem with the human race. And God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Think of it this way. You know how nations, all, most nations tend to have an embassy in other countries to represent their government. So we can think of Gateway Church as being like an embassy of the kingdom of God. And we are its ambassadors. And of course, ambassadors are appointed not to voice their own opinions or to further their own interests, but to represent the one who sent them, to speak on his behalf, to carry out his instructions, to further his mission. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And the point is, everyone is sent, not just the extroverts, not just those who are naturally confident or good with words. When I was a young boy, every Sunday morning, I was sent by my mother to the local shop to get the morning rolls. It's kind of like a custom in Scotland. And the message she entrusted to me was, can I have the rolls for Wilson, please? And the problem was, I had great difficulty getting my tongue around that particular combination of R's and L's and W's. For some reason, just every time I tried to do it, it came out all mangled. Wolves and Wilson and, and I got tongue-tied and I got embarrassed. Yet even now, 60 years later, I'm nearly breaking out in a cold sweat <laughs> thinking about this. You know, I thought, well, if only I'd been called something like McGregor. The rolls for McGregor. I mean, that just trips off your tongue. But I really struggled with this. Now, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, but luckily I grew up on a planet where schools were expected to teach children to pray in between hitting us with a thick leather strap if we stepped out of line. And I was taught a prayer to say at bedtime, not the one about if I should die before I wake. That was only the really naughty kids that were taught that one. My prayer was, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you at the close of another day for your loving care of me. Forgive all my sins, naughty deeds, angry words, unkind thoughts. I still remember it to this day. Now, I wouldn't, wouldn't want you to get an exaggerated sense of my spirituality as a child, but, but I prayed that most nights in bed. And after a while, I began to throw in a few other requests and concerns as well. And so one Saturday night, naturally, as my mind began to dwell on the horror that lay ahead of me the following morning, I prayed, Father, if possible, let this cup. No, I didn't pray that. <laughs> exactly. But that was the gist of it. And anyway, the next morning, I'm there in the queue. And this thought comes to me from nowhere. I'm in and out of the shop practically every day of my life. Surely by now, this guy knows my name. I don't have to go through all of that stuff. I just have to say, can I have the rolls, please? And you know, if he says, what was the name again? I can just say, Wilson. 
As long as I don't have to bring those two words together, Rolls and Wilson, I'll be absolutely fine. Piece of cake. Now listen, maybe you're someone who breaks out in a cold sweat at the thought of delivering the message that Jesus has entrusted to you. You get tongue-tied and embarrassed. What if, and just what if you could trust him to help you to represent him in a way that fits with who you are and with the circumstances of your life? We have this idea in our heads that we've got to say things in a certain way or or present this, the gospel in a certain way, but actually Jesus will help you to share his message in a way that fits with who you are and the circumstances that you find yourself in. And here's the thing that I think we need to get hold of. Jesus is sending you. You are an ambassador of the King of Kings. He has authorized you to speak on his behalf. His peace is in you. His presence is with you. He knows your weaknesses and your insecurities. And here's what he says to you this morning. He says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Listen, he supplies the power. Our job is to supply the weakness. His power, our weakness, that's how this thing works. That's how we have got to where we are today. That's how two and a half billion people, and still counting, are being affected. He supplies the power, we supply our weakness. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that deeply humbling, but also wonderfully liberating. So let's just, let me just take a moment to pray in closing. If you're, you know, final, if you're listening to this and you have yet to experience the peace, this peace with God, this peace that passes understanding, this peace that Jesus gives to you, if you've yet to experience his life-giving presence, then I want to implore you this morning, be reconciled to God. The God who has always loved you, the God who came to rescue you, Ready, he's ready this moment to forgive you and to welcome you home. So if you are ready to turn to him and to receive Jesus into your life, then I, I invite you to follow me in praying this prayer and just make it your own. Jesus, thank you that on the cross you paid the penalty for my sins so that I can be reconciled to God and know your peace, and know your presence, and know your purpose for my life. I yield my life to you now, trusting you with my future, knowing that whatever I face, you are working in my life for good. I offer to you my weakness and ask for your power, power to know you, power to live for you from this day forward. Amen. Listen, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for listening. And if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, then please do get in touch with us and let us know so that we can help you to take the next steps. Thank you.